Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Well, I'm going to have Matt Tarka come on up here today. I'm not preaching today. This, this man is going to preach to us today. Matt Tarka is an overseer of our, of our church, and he's got props. And Kim, she's amazing. We love you. Thank you. Love you, too. We love this family. Um, yeah, so Matt is uh, on, our, on our board of overseers. He's actually our um, finance guy. What do we call that? Treasurer, thank you. He's a treasurer. Rick, by the way, who was just up here, is the vice president of the organization. And Bill Klein, I don't know if he's here today, but he is the um, secretary. So that's our overseeing board. So if you ever have a problem with me, talk to these guys. All right. Amen. Emily, they are awesome, aren't they? Right on. All right. Well, I'm going to open up with a story here, so if you can work with me, I just want you to listen here. Hello, sir. How may I help you? I'd like to return this alarm clock, please. Well, what's wrong with it? The alarm doesn't work. Well, how do you mean? Well, the alarm makes no sound. Did you troubleshoot it using the manual? Yes. And it still didn't work? No. Okay, do you have the receipt? No, I can't find it then I can't give you a refund. Oh no, you misunderstand. I don't want a refund. I just want to exchange it for the one that works. Okay, okay, do you have the original packaging? No, I threw it away. I can't do an exchange without the original packaging. It came in a plastic clamshell. How the heck am I supposed to open it with a knife? I don't understand, why do you need the packaging? Our policy for all exchanges is that the product be returned in its original packaging. It was just a load of ripped up plastic. Why would I keep that? In case you didn't need to return, in case you need to return the item. I didn't think an alarm clock would break after a few weeks. So you're telling me you can't do anything to help me. To do anything, I need some proof of purchase. I'm proof. I'm telling you now that I bought it here. In fact, I think you're the person that helped me. What did you register the product warranty online? No. Oh, well, then. That's a problem. How did you pay for it? Cash or card? Cash. If you paid on card, you could have gotten a statement from your bank proving you made a purchase here, and on what date? Well, I paid cash. The thing is, other stores sell this brand, too, so you could have bought it anywhere else. Well, I could, but I didn't. I bought it here, and it doesn't work, and you owe me an alarm clock. Well, when did you buy it? A few weeks ago. Our exchange policy is 21 days, so you may not be out of warranty anyway. Well, I bought it last month sometime. I don't remember the exact date. We've been selling this model for a couple years now. Are you saying I'm lying? No, sir. I'm just simply saying that you might have bought it 21 days ago, and in this case, even with a receipt in the original packaging, I wouldn't be able to do anything to help you. Nothing? No. So now I just have a faulty alarm clock forever? Well, you could send it off to the manufacturer with a letter explaining the problem. It was made in China. That's more hassle than it's worth. Well, then I would suggest then you take it to a repair shop. That sort of thing usually costs more than what you paid for something in the first place. He goes, yeah, I know. Well, can I speak to the manager, please? 
Well, the manager's off duty today. Then I can I speak to whoever's in charge? You already are. <laughs> Is the manager in tomorrow? No. When's he in next? It's a she. Okay, when is she in next? Monday. Well, I'll come back Monday then. Well, very good. Can I help you with anything else today, sir? I doubt it. Okay, would you like to open a store card? It's completely free, and you get 5% off every purchase. No, thank you. Well, if you open one today, you get a free gift. What's the free gift? An alarm clock. Oh, my goodness. Has anyone ever been in a situation where you had to exchange something and just couldn't get it done? I don't know. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. We've all had that frustration. The man could not wake up because his alarm didn't work. He could not move forward with his life. He could not engage his purpose because he couldn't make an exchange. He was frustrated. By the way, we have this Engage conference coming up. I'm excited about it, but I decided to look up the word Engage because I'm kind of a dumb person. I didn't know what it meant. And I said, well, what does Engage mean? And here's a few definitions. It says, to offer such as one's life or word to a cause or purpose. We call that destiny. To give your life to a purpose is called destiny. To bind oneself to do something. Has anyone ever been engaged to be married? And to bring together or interlock gears. Like in a clutch, does anyone have a clutch on their truck? And most, like, if only over 40. Um, no, um, I'll leave that comment to myself. But anyways, um, you know, you have to have a clutch to engage the gears. If you don't engage, you can't do anything. But this is my message tonight. I don't today, whatever time of day it is. Um, you have to exchange before you can engage. Because if you engage with the wrong gear, with the wrong identity, with the wrong understanding, you're going to grind those gears and it's not going to work. So I, my job here today is to prepare you for the Engage conference. And if you're not going, well, go. And if you still can't go, then there's something here for you today. I believe many people, believers in Christ and non-believers who don't know Jesus, churchgoers and non-churchgoers, experience the same frustration as this man did. Let me tell you, they're trying to understand their faith in Christ or who God is, but the exchange is not happening. There may be several reasons for this, but let me tell you, after being a pastor for several years and observing the human heart, I really have brought it down just a couple things. They are confused of who God is. Or two, they're listening to the wrong teacher. They're confused of God's character or they're listening to the wrong message. So tonight, today, whatever time it is, <laughs> we're going to cover it. <clears throat> For example... And Pastor Harmony and Pastor Leslie, man, they preached a good message. Wasn't it awesome, those words? They were saying, I'm confused about God. There's a lie. Am I sick because he made me sick and he's trying to teach me a lesson? That's hogwash. 
they're confused about what, how do I, who, who is God? Do I, do, I, do I perform for him or do I not perform for him? How do I get his blessings? What do I have to do? Okay. What ends happening is believers and non-believers get tossed to and fro in a ship without an anchor because they don't know who their God is. They hear God is good, but then they hear, well, if you sin and mess up, he's going to punish you. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's messed up. So let's cover this. We're going to cover a couple things really quick here. Bear with me. Um, Pastor Adam, I may not have you bring the scriptures up. Uh, just work with me here. I'm going to throw some out at you. Look them up. But first, let's establish this. God is love. Can you say that with me? God is love. Why is that important? It doesn't say, oh, God loves. God likes to love. It is who he is. It is his DNA. It's everything about him is love. Okay? So 1 John 4, 16 says, God is love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Genesis 1, let us make man in our image so we can have a relationship with him. He wanted a family. And how about 1 Corinthians 13? I'm just going to pull out that shotgun that Pastor Kurt said to kill a sacred cow right now. How many of you use 1 Corinthians 13 and say, well, you're just not loving. You got to love like this. You're supposed to be loving like this and use it to condemn people. How about if we look at 1 Corinthians 13 as this is how God loves. This is how God loves you. Read it. And then when you get transformed by God's love, then you begin loving like him. Okay? Because he first models it so that we can follow in it. God's love was demonstrated in the Garden of Genesis. Here, real quick, you know this. God forms Adam and Eve, places them in the beautiful garden. In the third chapter of Genesis, Adam and Eve chose to believe a lie. All right? To believe a lie and made an exchange that they had no idea what they were getting. The lie from the devil, a.k.a. serpent, is that God is holding out on you. God, listen to this. That the lie was God cannot be trusted. He attacked God's character. You thought God was giving you everything, but he's really not. God's word cannot be trusted. That was the lie of the enemy, and he continues to live on lies. He is a con salesman that sells snake oil. The serpent told them if they choose to exchange their life, then they will be like God. He questioned their identity and had them doubt God's character, and they questioned who they really were. They participated because they had FOMO. If you're over 40, you have no idea what that means. I'm over 40, and it means the fear of missing out. My college student helped me out with that, and she keeps me in the know, okay? My dog has FOMO. My dog can be completely asleep on the couch. Yes, we let our 107-pound chocolate lab sleep on the couch because he's spoiled rotten. At the back living room, you can be silently tiptoeing towards the door. Grab the keys, just a little jingle. And he, is, he could be snoring. And by the way, he snores really loud. He could be out there running at your feet going, okay, let's go. He doesn't want to miss out on anything. So Adam and Eve, they thought they were missing out even though they had everything. 
You know, all they had to do was enjoy creation. Jesus, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful is basically saying, hey, enjoy this. You don't have to work and labor for this. And two, all you get to do is make babies. I mean, just go, have fun. And they're like, oh, hey, how about that, that fruit over there? Oh, are we missing out? We're missing out? You know how, much, how many people come to me and say, I don't want to accept Jesus because I'm going to miss out on what the world offers. <sighs> yeah, it's, it may seem appealing, but I guarantee nothing is as good as Jesus. Nothing is as good as feeling his love. And having a purpose, not just having love, it's having a purpose and a destiny. All right. So we have a huge exchange. It goes down, life or death, creation hijacked, and God's children kidnapped. Have you ever had a child or a dog do something bad? <laughs> let's just say the dog right now. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's watch this. We can cue this up. What did you do over here? What did you do? Did you do that? Huh? Did you do that? I we weren't sure who did it. But then you get this fella over here. Harley. Did you do this? What did you do to my slipper? What? happened to this remote? Do you want to tell me what happened? Oh, big thought. Do you recognize? Why, why are you ignoring me? Romeo! Come here! Romeo! Romeo! Brady, who ate the cookies? Who ate the cookies today, Brady? Brady, did you do this? Someone went through the trash. Again. Why do you go through the trash, Tahoe? Look at me. Come on. Hey. Hey. Look at me. Did you poo-poo? Did you poop? Luke, we'll see you. You're scared. Nyla, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you chew up one of Stephanie's shoes? Esri! What did you do? 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 Oh man, how many of you were God and saw that Adam and Eve ate the fruit? Would you go up to them and say, what did you do? Can you bring up Genesis 3.8 for me? Let's see what God said. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, what did you do? He said, where are you? The gospel of grace starts with that question. The gospel of grace, God's love starts with the correct question. Not what did you do? Where did you go? Where are you? I'm seeking you. I miss you. There's been a separation. Where are you? But many times we think, well, you know, God would do, would say, what did you do? Adam goes on to reply, the exchange already happened here. I I believe Adam and Eve felt their spirits enter captivity. Adam goes, I was afraid because I was naked. Now, naked here means more than naked. Okay? It was at that moment that Adam's source of life that covered him in love, acceptance and righteousness and purpose was torn off of him. Naked means he was exposed and vulnerable. And this is how sin works. He goes, and then, and then when he got, you know, this is when he became God to himself. Self-protection kicks in. He deflects his failure onto Eve. And then he pulls the most passive-aggressive comment by blaming God for it all. Eve, the woman you gave me. Oh, man. Isn't it amazing when someone gets defensive and wants to cover up their shame? Whoop. That would have been great. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Does anyone want to get baptized with me today? I'll go first. Wow. Yeah, this is on live. Praise God. Well, so Adam pretty much throws himself in the tank because he's defensive. He he deflects to Eve and he passively aggressively blames God. That's what sin does because people are vulnerable. Fear drove Adam to hide. Fear of rejection, fear of punishment. By the way, there's a great book called The Rejection Syndrome. Um, on how sin, the original sin, drives men to fear because they're afraid of rejection. At this exchange in the garden, though, this exchange happened, God declares the gospel promise. Genesis 3.15, you can follow along, but God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and and between your seed and her seed, capital S, meaning he's prophesying of Jesus. He shall bruise, and that word bruise means break your head, crush it. You shall bruise or break or kill him, but he will crush your head and destroy you. Jesus declared it. Now, there's a lot of things that happen between Genesis 3 and John 1.1. The Abraham covenant comes on board. The God promises Abraham that all the stars are yours in me. All the stars represent all the people in the world are going to come through the promise an inheritance is going to be yours. The Messiah is coming. 
God is love. I hope that just showed you a little bit that God did not condemn in the beginning. He didn't ask, what did you do? He's really saying, where are you? Where are you? He is love. Well, then what happens, we come along and go, okay, great, God is love. And then along comes the first teacher. Remember I said people listen to the wrong message? You first get God's character messed up, but then they listen to the wrong message. The 400 years later, the first teacher was the Mosaic Covenant, or what we call the Ten Commandments, or the law. Why did we need the law? Galatians 3.19, and by the way, Galatians would be a great book to read. Encourage you. 3.19 says, because there was transgression, sins in the world towards God and one another, man did not know how to live. They didn't know that you shouldn't steal. They didn't know that you shouldn't sleep with your neighbor's wife. They didn't know to not worship other gods. They, they, they needed some guidance. The law had consequences, punishments, but if they were not followed, it was like teaching a toddler not to hit the dog with a toy. And if they did not stop, the toy would be taken away. It's kind of that stuff, but just a lot harder. <laughs> By the time Jesus came on the scene, excuse me, the law had grown out of control. Men added their rules and requirements to get God's forgiveness and favor. They put demands on people. People. Men had twisted it. The problem with the laws is that it cannot save you. If you keep all of the law, keep, do all the requirements, it can't save you. It doesn't make you righteous. It doesn't justify you because no one can do it except for one. It keeps you in performance for God's love. That's exhausting. Isn't it? You can never figure out what does God want from me? What happens is many people want to come to Jesus and they're said, I'm saved by grace, right? But you have to still work to maintain your salvation. Uh, that's a lie. You are saved by grace. You're maintained by grace. And you get to be in heaven with Jesus by grace. It's grace from the beginning all the way to the end. It's God's work from the start to the finish. It's not you having to work it up and go, okay, I got to get the blessings of God. I got to get the favor of God. Is he going to forgive me? Is he going to work for me? What is he going to do for me? I have to do this, this, and this. Oh, I made a mistake. That's a lie. God is pursuing you continually. Genesis, or excuse me, Galatians 3.24, the purpose of the law is it was a teacher to bring us to Christ, it says that we may be justified, declared, or made righteous in the sight of God by faith, believing in Jesus. The law was a tutor, but once the Redeemer showed up, the tutor is no longer needed. That's what it says. Read Galatians. Once Jesus showed up, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, I don't understand. One of his disciples says, hey, uh, can you just tell me, Jesus, who the Father is? He's like, whoa, John 14. I've been with you this whole time. You don't know who I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What did Jesus do? He gave grace by faith to the, uh, to the burdened and the sick. Whoa, whoa, Matt, but he gave law too by works. Yeah, to the self-righteous and prideful. You can never mix law and grace. Let me explain this here. John 3, Nicodemus comes to him, a Pharisee, a leader of the church, privately comes to Jesus, what do I have to do to save? I don't understand this. 
Jesus, sensing that his heart was wanting to learn, he brought grace to him and gave him John 3 and everything it talks, or John 14 about what it, excuse me, John 14 about what it means to be saved. It's not a work of yourself, it's believing in Jesus. It's understanding that you don't have to perform for God. But then at the same time in Luke chapter eight, the rich young ruler says, I've kept all the law. I'm sure Jesus is sipping his coffee going, all of it? <laughs> Whatever. He goes, I kept all of it. What must else I do to be saved? I mean, come on, I, I, I'm doing everything. I'm checking off my list. I, I did all of it. And then Jesus drops some law on him. You're like, whoa, that's confusing, man. I thought he does grace. He does, but Jesus in his wisdom also knows how to draw the heart and bring to the surface what is in someone's heart so they can deal with it by grace. So he says to him, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then you shall be saved. Very confusing if you listen to everything else what Jesus talks about. What Jesus was saying is, is that your riches are your God. You're trusting your self-effort. You're trusting and believing in the lie that you can earn it. So I want you to sell everything you have, give it away, and encounter me. And he walked away sad because he was very, very rich. Mixing grace and law never works. It never works. You are saved by grace. You are maintained in your growth by grace. The lie is that I deserve this, that I did something wrong, therefore I deserve this punishment. Okay, for example, where's Amanda? You had that word about the lie. The lie being that, hey, I have to, uh, I did something wrong, you forgot about me, or I made a mistake. I, what do I have to earn to get back at God's favor? Nothing except for believe on him, that he loves you, accepts you, approves you, and he will work through your heart to stop repeating any patterns to move forward towards freedom. That's the gospel. I brought this up here. Can, I don't know if you can see this. This is good old olive oil. Nice and thick, right? I believe Jesus is the oil of our salvation. Have you ever seen oil and water mix? You can't see it from back there. But you can see here how it separates. Can you all see that kind of? Oil comes to the top. Grace is always on top of law. Grace is always on top of law. When I say on top of, it crushed it. It completed, it said, grace always wins. You have to make an exchange. You, have, you can't live in law and grace and think you're gonna work. I wrote this down here. I think I had it. And I'm gonna wrap up here because we got some baptisms to do. I'll say this. Yeah, if you do have to do some water baptisms, you can step away, get changed. Thanks, Ben. Oil and water don't mix. Grace and law do not mix. We call this the mixture of covenants, mosaic and grace. Mixing grace with law, or better put, what I call spiritual identity disorder. 
spiritual identity disorder. At the beginning of my message, I talked about how people get confused. They don't know who God's character is and they don't understand what message they're listening to. It's because you're trying to listen to both messages. The law is complete and finished in Jesus. The bottom line is you're saved. You come to God not because of your works or good deeds. You come to God because of what Jesus did. That's the end. That's the final story. That's what he did. You have to make an exchange. And this is it. When I tell people, like, I'm struggling, I just say, very simple. The gospel is a simple message. The simple message is God is just saying, where are you? I hid because I'm afraid. And God says, fine, I will come pursue you. Do you know love pursues? Love chases down. And then God wants to tell you, like, I am here. I'm right here for you right now. I want to read this to you by Dr. Paul Ellis. He has a, a blog called Escape to Reality. It's one of the areas that I learned for the last 12 years and 15 years on grace. He writes, a mixed grace gospel combines the unmerited favor of God with the merited wage of human effort. You are saved by grace, but you maintain your position through light, right living is an example of mixed grace. God gives you the grace so you can keep his commands is another one. These sort of messages contain an element of grace, but ultimately push you to trust in yourself and your own efforts. Bite into a mixed grace message and you'll taste bitter fruit. That's what Adam and Eve did. They bit, took the fruit and it became bitter instantly. You may feel the pressure to perform and smell the fear that comes with failure. You'll make promises to God and then you'll break them. You'll resolve to try harder only to fail again and again. You'll become burned out and burned out again. Since a mixed grace message puts the emphasis on you, what you have done, your identity will become defined by what you produce. You will start to think of yourself as God's servant instead of God's beloved son or daughter. Worst of all, you end up distracted from Jesus. Don't swallow any poison that comes from a spoonful of grace. And don't subscribe to any message that leads you to trust in yourself, your works, instead of Jesus. To paraphrase Watchman Nee, you can try or you can trust, and the difference is heaven and hell. Too many Christians and believers or even people who say, I don't want anything to do with religion. It's too much work. Amen. Religion is too much work. Religion is way too much work. If I wasn't, in, honestly, if I wasn't in grace on Sundays, I'd be camping. But because grace is so attractive, we fellowship with the brethren, we worship Jesus, we go, this is too good. This is amazing. Religion will drain you. And this should never be a call for religion, but it should be a call for identity and purpose, a destiny. It's time to make an exchange. You have to exchange your work for righteousness to trying to work from righteousness from you are righteous. Jesus said, I gave you a gift of righteousness. You have to stop working for approval and realize that you are doing good works from approval. Right? Because faith without works is dead. What that means is not works to please God. You're working from love, not for love. Right? 
We don't want believers working for love. Just stop. I just give you permission right now. God doesn't need you to work for him. He just doesn't. We work not for salvation. We work from being saved. We don't work for forgiveness. We are forgiven. We don't work for power. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So whenever you are ready to be done trying, whenever you're done putting in your own effort, whenever you're ready to say, I'm at the end of myself. If you're tired of hiding, if you're tired of dealing with the addiction, if you're tired of the past traumatizing you, it's time for an exchange. Because God wants to engage you into your purpose. He wants to engage you for your destiny. He wants to encounter you this week. But you have to make an exchange. You ready, brother? All right. I don't know how it's going on, what's going on here with Ben coming out. But I want to say this. It's time to engage and it's time to make an exchange. It's stop trying, it's time to stop mixing and start saying God loves me and he's for me just as I am. Just as I am. We're gonna do some baptisms here today. But before we do, I wanna ask, do you know why we do water baptisms, Ben? Just sec, bro. We do water baptisms because people here, and we don't do, I don't know if anyone was raised Catholic or Lutheran. Um, I was, and we sprinkled, right? Here we like to dunk, okay? And it's a good thing, right, Ben? The reason we dunk, yep, is because it's signifying that you made an exchange with Jesus. You're, you died with him and you're rising again with Jesus. And we want to give an invitation to everyone that wants to be baptized. And this is it. Will you pray with me? Close your eyes here. Bow your head. We're going to do these, get these guys started in the next few minutes. Is there anybody here? This is just, I want you to say it. This is, this is for me. Is anyone here ready to exchange their fear for peace? I just, seriously, close your eyes. We're praying right now. This is invitation for an exchange. Does anyone have fear and they're ready to exchange it for peace? Can you just raise your hand? It's just me. Okay, wow. Come on. Man, God said, fear not. I am pursuing you. Keep those hands up. Is anyone here and no condemnation? I said, I have an addiction and I need freedom. Yeah. Keep your hands up. I'm not judging. My hand's up with you. I hands up. Anyone have an addiction? I said, I need freedom. It's yours. Does anyone here have sorrow and they need some joy? (laughs) Sorrow for joy is your promise. Does anyone have pain, physical pain and needs healing? Man, the majority of hands are up right now. Does anyone have a past that haunts them and they need hope for a future? Raise your hand. They need to make an exchange. And does anyone here says, I have some sins that need forgiving? All right. 
Keep those hands up. That's between you and God. This is you saying, I'm here, I'm here, God. Let's pray. Father God, right now, every hand that's up, we just say, in Jesus' name, you're exchanged. No problems, no delays, no hassles. In Jesus' name, Lord, I'm giving you my pain. I'm giving you my addiction, my fear, my sorrow. And I receive your peace, your love, your grace, your forgiveness, God. I receive all of that right now. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. Thank you for caring for me and pursuing me. Jesus' name. If you have a desire to be water baptized right now, we actually have, I don't know, what baptism kits, right, Ben? <laughs> Pastor. We do. If you truly, like, I want to get baptized now. You just run up to this guy right here, Ben, Brother Ben, and he'll get you taken care of. Let's do this. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.